Welcome to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's encouraging message. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. So yeah, real quick, I want to do an activity that um, Mr. David and Mrs. Um, Amy Lancaster uh, showed us while we were there. So if you would all, everyone stand up. And um, I want you to, to raise both arms. Okay, now raise them higher. Now, don't you know you can do more than what you thought you could do? <laughs> and that's the lesson. <laughs> all right. Yeah, when I was standing back there, Jason said, you know, with all this barbecue, I should do a barbecue message. And so I was thinking barbecue be bold quickly for Jesus. <laughs> because sometimes you take too long to step out in faith for what God's called you to do. So be bold quickly for Jesus, Jason. <laughs> so, but I really want to talk about um, out of Luke 14, 25. And um, really what God's put in my heart is the cost of being a disciple, the cost of being a follower of Jesus. No, during our time there, we really learn the, the importance, what it really means to follow Jesus, what it really means to, to leave everything, to forsake your own life, and just live for him. So if you go to Luke 14, 25, um, I'm going to start reading there. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. This verse for a long time really, really, it really bothered me because I, I never, <laughs> I was like, what? I got to hate my mom and dad. I got to hate, you know, one day when I have children, my, I'm going to hate my brothers and sisters, my wife. What in the world does this mean? <laughs> but really, what God's saying here is, if you notice the word it says by comparison, that really struck me a lot because he's saying that you need to love God so much. So you need to love him with all of your heart, all of your mind, strength, soul, so much that by comparison, when the love that you show for him, it looks like, you know, it doesn't even compare to the love that you have for everyone else. It needs to be that strong. He needs to be your first love. He needs to be the one that you love more than anything else. You know, if God were to give you a choice, and he said, either you're going to follow me and you're going to be close to my heart, or you're going to stay with your family, I'm going to choose God. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to be close to his heart because I love him so much. And he, he's the one who has the words to eternal life. He's the one who brings life. He's the one who provides every single thing we need. And so, really, to follow Jesus, when you truly follow him, you love him more than anything. And your love is so strong for him that nothing can tear it away. Not a single thing. Then it says, if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. You see, to follow Jesus means to pick up your cross daily and follow him every single day. The disciples knew 
what it meant when he said pick up the cross. When he talked to the disciples, picking up the cross in that time meant you need to be willing to lay your life down for me. You need to be willing to leave everything if that's what it takes to follow me. Because times are going to be hard. It's not going to be exactly easy to follow him with everything you have. It's a sacrifice. The disciples, they, they really made a true sacrifice following Jesus. If you look at the things that they had to give up, the things that they had to do, it was tremendous. The, the things that they just lost for the sake of following Jesus was out of this world. You know, when I read the Bible and I see the people throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, the amount of sacrifice that some of the greatest people in the Bible made were so enormous. You know, I learned that the people that I know of that's given the most see more of God than anyone else. David Hogan raises people from the dead. And I don't know anyone, I've never heard of anyone else who has given more than him. He's died twice, came back to life, almost died a third time. He's given up every single thing he has to follow Jesus with all his life. There's a quote that he said. Um, he, told, he said that his greatest success, his, his greatest success in God and seeing the fruit of God has came from his deepest failures. His came from times when he has stepped out in faith, but he failed along the way. But, you know, it's really, it's not bad to step out in faith and fall. It's not bad if you hear God and you know you hear God, and if you step out in faith, and maybe you miss it a little bit, then what do you do? You get back up and you keep going. You keep following Jesus. You keep going in the path that he's laid out for you. Because Jesus, he knows that there's going to be times in our life where we're not going to follow it the entire way every single time. Heidi Baker and Roland Baker, they're some of the most well-known Christians on earth. And they they make mistakes all the time. They do. They're not perfect. But they keep getting back up. They keep trying. I think Heidi Baker um, was the one who said that if you, as long as you keep getting up and you don't quit, then you never lose. The minute that you quit is the minute that you decide, I lose right now, that you've already lost. And then... I want to go down to something that I find one of the most valuable things on your walk with Jesus. And it says, but don't begin until you count the costs. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's, no, there's the person who started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. What we really sat down and talked about is counting the cost of following Jesus. Every single person, no matter who you are, if you're following Jesus, there is a cost to following you. It looks different for every single person. You know, missionaries, the obvious cost is being killed, being martyred. Someone who's living in America, that's still a cost, it's possible, but it might not be the one that's most likely to happen. Have you counted the cost to following Jesus in your workplace? 
Have you counted the cost to following Jesus in school? Have you counted the cost to following Jesus when you're around your friends, when you're out in public? The cost is being persecuted verbally. The cost is being persecuted, even physically being threatened with your life sometimes. Thursday, I for the first time, um, me, Tia, Sharon, and Lydia, we went out and we preached in one of the projects here in Asheville. And um, before we went, um, Tia, Tia was like, I don't know if I want to go. You know, Rocky, we can get shot. And um, I looked at her and I, I said, I know, we can. <laughs> and then that was about it. And then we went. <laughs> so <laughs> no matter where you are, they, they, I mean, there's a cost that you have to count. You can, you can be killed wherever you are when you follow Jesus. It doesn't matter if you're here or if you're in Africa. The chances might be higher in other places. But when you really follow him with everything you have, people will go after you. And that's a promise. It says that in his word. It says that all who desire to be godly will be persecuted. That's a promise by God. And I 100% believe that if you're living a godly life, you're being persecuted in some form, some way. How much persecution have you gone in your entire life since you've been a Christian? Has it been none? Has it been some? Because my Bible says, if you are walking godly, this persecution is going to come. There is a time in... John 16, where Jesus, John 16, 1, where we're saying, I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. For you will be expelled from the synagogues, and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they're doing a holy service for God. This, be, this is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now, so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while longer. You know, the disciples, they knew. Jesus was telling them, he's like, look, some of you are going to die, okay? You're going to get killed, and people are going to think, oh, I'm, I'm doing a holy service for God, that this is amazing, and people are going to love killing you, basically. That's what he's saying. What if Jesus was right in front of you right now, and he looked at you, and he said, if you keep following me, you will die. What if he said that? Would you still follow him? You see, maybe the chances of being here isn't, of being killed here isn't high. Maybe it's not. But are you still willing to give up your life for him if that were to happen? That's the question. Do you, are you for Jesus with all your heart? Because if you're absolutely for him, if you love him with all your heart, then if he were to come to you face to face and he said, you keep following me, you're going to die. You're going to say, okay, I'm going to do it for you because I know that to the world, this looks crazy. This looks insane. This does not make sense. But if I do this, it is absolutely worth it. Jesus said, the greatest love you can show for your brother is giving up one's life for another. I would say the greatest love that you can show for Jesus is giving up your life spiritually, but also physically, if that were to come. Not everyone's called to being martyred. That's, that's true. But are you willing? That's what's important more than anything. If I had to choose, honestly, 
throughout the whole time we were there at the Harvest Pioneer School, they honestly, the whole time, their, their big talk was about being willing to die for Jesus, having that willingness. It won't happen to everyone, of course, but being willing and saying, okay, if this comes, I'm okay with it. And if I had to choose now, I would say 100% if God said, how are you going to die? I would say, I want to be martyred because this means a lot to me. Because Jesus is so real to me that this is how I would choose to go. 100%. I wouldn't change my mind. Two, two and a half months ago, I would say no. I want to I die in my sleep, in my bed, on some tempur bed, in a nice home somewhere. <laughs> But now my heart is shifted because when you follow God with everything you have, he works on your heart. God, he cares about the heart. He doesn't care about the outward appearance. He cares about where is your heart at? Where is it placed? Is your heart set on God? Is your mind set on things above? Do you have the mind of Christ? Or is your heart set on worldly things? You see, a lot of times it's hard it's really hard to have a heart that's completely for God, that's completely surrendered. And honestly, in my opinion, I think that whenever our every single thing, every single part of us is fully 100% surrendered, that's when we're going to be in heaven. But through our walk along the way, God wants to work on us. He wants to perfect us. See, sometimes we're in hardships because God is molding us. He's perfecting our faith. And he's testing us with fire to see how are we going to last through this. When I look at David, he was a man that I, I admired so much in the Bible. He was someone with the title, a man after God's own heart. I think the biggest thing in our culture is finding time to go after God's heart. It's very hard in our culture. It is. But it's not impossible. It's not impossible to seek him with everything you have in the place that we're at now. David was a king, and he was named a man after God's own heart. And I don't know anyone who's more busy than a king. I mean, if you think of the responsibility he had in those days, it was tremendous. It was huge. But he was still named a man after God's own heart. I want to be a man after God's own heart. My, one of my greatest desires is to seek God more than anyone I know. That's a desire, and that's not bad. It's good to seek him with everything you have. You see, everyone, everyone in the world needs Jesus, but not every single person wants him. Not everyone is willing to do what it takes to seek him, even when you're tired, even when you get home from work, even when you get home after working out at the gym, even when... You just absolutely do not feel like doing anything. You just want to sit on the couch, watch Netflix. Some of you need read the newspaper. I mean, but what, what is it going to take for you to, to sit down when you don't feel like it, read the Bible, and seek God with every single thing you have? What is it going to take to be willing to live a godly life knowing that you're going to be persecuted? knowing that there's going to be people out there who's going to say, who's going to persecute you verbally when you show your faith in public. Roland said, he, when he was talking, he talked about persecution for a little bit. 
And he said that the happiest people he's ever met in his entire life, and he's seen a lot, were persecuted Christians in China. Those were the happiest people he ever, he ever saw because when you're living a life fully for Jesus, all that persecution means nothing. It absolutely has no effect on you because you are so, when you're living fully for him, you're so sucked in into the joy of the Lord that all this bad stuff around you looks like rubbish, honestly. The joy of the Lord changes your life. And when you follow God more, when you seek him more, when you live a godly life for Jesus, you're going to have more of his joy in your life. That's a fact. That's so true. One of the students at um, our school, he was one of my roommates. His name is Andy. And um, he was, I forgot how old he was, but almost 30 years old. He came straight from China. The first day he came, he didn't really know a lot of English. And um, I, I know that was his first time in Africa. I'm not sure if it was his first time out of the country. But I know he's never been to America. And, you know, he, he, he's been to the underground church in China. He has had to sacrifice so much. The life that he's lived, his testimony is amazing. I mean, what he's went through, most people haven't gone through. And I remember that when I first met him, the first week, he would just pray in tongues and read the Bible all the time. I was thinking in my head, well, I don't know. Maybe this is just a phase. Maybe at the end of the school, he won't do it as much. I don't know. Maybe because we're at Harvest Pioneer School, he's just praying a bunch. But no, throughout the whole school, I would even say he even did more towards the end of school. And I, I remember one day on Saturdays on our days off, we just had the whole day. We could do what we want. You know, a lot of us, we would go see animals. I got the pet baby lions and stuff. But Andy would always, for the most part, he would stay there. And I think one day I, I could just could have sworn that he probably prayed and read the Bible a combined time of probably 10 hours. And this is a regular for him always. You would just go out with him in public. We'd be going to the mall or going to a restaurant. And just randomly, he'd start speaking in tongues. <laughs> I, I wasn't used to this. But I honestly, I got so used to it that I honestly miss it now. And I asked, I asked Andy one time. I said, Andy, you know, he, he knows persecution. He came from where he came from, he, he's been through a lot. And I asked him, what do, what do you like to do for fun? And he laughed, and he said, I pray in tongues. That's what he does for fun. You know, when, what's it going to take for us to be so in love with Jesus, to seek him so much that what we do for fun is just the things of the Lord, is just things that please him? What we do for fun is worshiping Jesus. What we do for fun is it doesn't matter where we're at. We could be bowling. What's it going to take for us to be talking to Jesus as we're bowling? Because that's fun. <laughs> you know, Jesus can bowl too. He's probably better at it than all of us. <laughs> I mean, he's perfect. Really, I mean, it's so important. To, to seek him 
more than anything else. That's what I find more important. It's hard. It's really hard to seek him. Throughout the time we were there, I learned I learned how do you never burn out? You know, that's the most common question. How do you just never burn out and maintain fire and grow continually and move glory from glory each day? One of the things that they taught us that I remember is they said, you keep your eyes on Jesus. That's how you never burn out. Because if you're a Christian, if you're living for God, there should never be a moment in your life where you say, enough is enough. I'm burnt out and I can't keep moving. If you ever say that in your eyes on Jesus, Roland said, it's absolutely impossible to be depressed in the presence of Jesus. He even, I quote him, he said, how can you have the most perfect, loving Savior, you have eternal life, nothing to worry about, and still not have joy? We have eternal life waiting for us. We have a perfect Savior. How can we not have joy with this? How can we not have joy knowing that after this life, when we go home to our Father, it's going to be nothing but joy. It's going to be nothing but happiness. We are going to live it up and party. <laughs> really. Be in the presence of Jesus if you're depressed. Depression should not be a part of the Christian life. Roland even made a joke, and he said, "With you know, it's impossible to be depressed in the presence of Jesus, but with enough discipleship and classes, it's possible. Because <laughs> sometimes, sometimes people think, well, there's a certain strategy to be in the presence of Jesus. You have to do this. Oh, this guy over here, he's got, he's got this over here. He's got this, this platform. Look at this. Oh, they're handing out pamphlets. They must be legit. You know, some, sometimes people think there's a strategy to being in the presence of God. There's a strategy to having the joy of the Lord. But the joy of the Lord is a gift from the Holy Spirit. And it's nothing that you earn. It's a gift. Many, many, and I, it, this is me, 100%, believe that we are entitled to being saved. We're entitled to having a good father. We're entitled to this and that. Many people believe that. But honestly, you know what What really brings more of the fear of the Lord out? When you know that he's not entitled to save you. He wants to because he's a good father, but he's not entitled to it. We're not entitled to it. We honestly don't deserve it. But he loves us so much that he cries for us. He mourns for us when we're not with him, when we're not on the path to heaven. You see, God's always been a good father, and that's never going to change. There has to be a point in your life when you say, I know, I know for a fact God is a good father, and your mind never changes. Because sometimes we go back and forth. Well, I prayed, and God didn't give me this. Well, I prayed, and I didn't get an answer. Well, how long did you pray? Well, I was in my room, I prayed five, ten minutes, and then only that day, and then never again. Well, why don't you get on your knees and you seek God day in and day out until you get an answer? He says, keep knocking and the door will be open. That's what he says. Sometimes it takes more than just a five-minute prayer to get an answer. God wants to see where your heart is. Is your heart fully set on him? Are you fully set on seeking him? 
Are you fully set on him? Or when it gets tough and you're not getting an answer, you just give up. I can't tell you how many times I was just tired and I didn't feel like seeking God, but I did it anyway when I was there. And I learned consistency. I learned discipline. When you have consistency with God day in and day out, when you truly seek him every single day, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It doesn't mean seeking him, everything you have on Sunday, and then for the rest of the week, not doing anything, feeling terrible because you haven't been spending time with Jesus. Then you come back to church, you say, oh, this is amazing. But honestly, you're supposed to bring heaven with you and spread it everywhere you go. Where, what, 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 what is your vision? What, what, is, what are your eyes set on? Is it set on Jesus? Or is it set on things of the world? Roland said he, he had a friend who went to heaven for weeks and weeks. He was out um, in heaven. And, you know, Roland was there with him, and he, people tried to shake him out of <laughs> being in heaven. And he said, that's not a good idea, so he guarded him. And um, when he came back from heaven, he was literally in heaven. This is not a joke. He was in heaven. Most people don't understand that, but he was in heaven. And um, when, it, when he came back, too, he said, um, you know, at first he had to learn how to speak again. You know, after being in heaven so long, he had to learn how to speak English again. And then Roland asked him, um, they talked for a long time, but one of the things he said uh, is he asked him, when you were up there in heaven, did you once think about the world? Did you once think about saving the world? Did you once think about coming back? And he said, when you're in heaven, you don't think for one second about the world. You don't ever, that doesn't ever even come across your mind, things of the world, anything to do with the world. You don't think about it because you're in heaven. You're in the presence. And when God says to set your mind on things above, you need to really set your mind on things above. The things of the world are not going to bring you happiness. Sometimes it brings you happiness for a short amount of time, but Jesus brings you happiness that never fades and never goes away. You see, there's, there's so many things in this world that you can go to that, that people say, this gives you this, it gives you that. But truly, the richest people in the world are the people that not have the most, but the people who need the least. You know, if you have Jesus and you follow him with all your mind, heart, soul, strength, you will not need a lot of things. You just need him. And you know what? That makes you rich no matter where you are in the world, no matter how much money you have, no matter how many possessions you have. You, will be, you can be one of the richest people on earth by just following Jesus with everything you have. Because you'll get to a place and say, I don't need this. I don't want this. And I honestly just want to be with Jesus, and I want to do his will. I want to do the will of God. Being a disciple means doing the will of God and following what pleases him. God has a will for every single person. There's a will for all of us, heal the sick, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. That's a will, and that's for every single person. 
But there's also another will that God has for every single one of us. There's a calling for each person for us to step into that he wants us to do in our life. The question is, are you doing the will of God where you are right now? Wherever you are, are you doing his will? Is this what he wants you in right now? And if you're working on doing something that's going to get you to where God wants you to be, if you're at you know, a part-time job, something that's, that's not that you don't see yourself living in forever. Well, wherever you are in your job, are you still doing the will of God? Because wherever you are, you need to be doing his will. And you might say, well, you know, in my job, there's, if I were really to talk about Jesus, all these people in my job would look at me a certain way, and, you know, it's, it's this and that, and, you know, I might not, my reputation might be bad in my business. I've really been working up in my job. I've really been doing good. And my reputation might just be bad if I shared Jesus. Honestly, who cares about your reputation? Jesus said the world is going to hate you. So why aren't you living a godly life and living for Jesus? Because the thoughts and opinions of other people, they're not going to get you anywhere you want to go. Only Jesus, only him, can he can only provide what you need. If you're not willing to step out in faith, if you're not willing to be bold, then why even show up? Why even say you're a Christian if you're not willing to live like it? If you, and then keep going down to, um, all the way to verse 31. Um, and it says, or what king, on Luke 14, or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he'll send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot be, become my disciple without giving up everything you own. So do you have what it takes to follow Jesus? I'll answer that for you. You do. You do have what it takes to follow Jesus, but are you willing to lay things down that he's calling you to lay down? You know, when I see the verse that says, you can't become my disciple without giving up everything you own, that doesn't necessarily mean physically. Sometimes it does. A lot of missionaries, that's what it means. But also things in your life, have you laid them down? Have you, have you, are you so focused on Jesus that you don't have, nothing in your life has a hold on you? So if someone were to say, I'm going to take away your house, I'm going to take away your car right now, is that going to mess with you? Is that going to have a hold on you? Is that going to destroy your life? Because if it does, then that means you haven't given up everything you own. Because you can still have your house, but you don't need to let that hold onto your heart because your heart needs to be set on Jesus. Sometimes we can be so protective over our possessions, but it says in the Bible that, you know, the disciples, community of believers, they were sharing everything they had. It doesn't mean we should all go to each other's houses, but it means that we don't need to be protective, so protective over our possessions because they're not going to be with us forever. This is not our home. Our home is in heaven. You can live somewhere temporarily. Jesus didn't have a home. 
Foxes have dens, but the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. This is not where you're going to be forever. There's a better place waiting for you in heaven. There's a better place waiting for you. You need to have your mind set on the joy before you that's in the future. You need to see what God really has for you. And then these, these last verses where it says, Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor the manure pile. It is thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. What that says to me is, what is the point of saying, I'm a Christian, but you don't live like you're saved? What is the point of saying, I'm a Christian, but nobody around you is seeing that? It says that hold on it says in Matthew 3 Jesus was saying in Matthew 3 8 prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins turn to God don't just say to each other we're safe for we are descendants of Abraham that means nothing for I tell you God can create children of Abraham from these very stones even now the axe of God's judgment is posed, ready to sever the roots from the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. That's some pretty hard stuff. It really is. Are you showing that you've repented of your sins and turned to God? Because if you're not, then what needs to change? If your life isn't producing fruit of the Spirit, it's not producing fruit of God, are you saved? I want to tell you this right now. Are you saved if your life is not producing fruit? Because Jesus said that my disciples will produce a lot of fruit. Is that you? This is really hard to listen to. This is really hard to handle. But Jesus is a very serious man when it comes to stuff like this. He wants you to follow him with everything you have. And he doesn't want you to be one foot in the, to the world, one foot to him, because that doesn't work. Are you ready? Are you ready to lay everything down? Are you already there? Are you surrendered? Do you want him? Do you want Jesus? I promise you that I want him more than anything else. There's nothing in this world that you can give me that will take away the love I have for Jesus. Nothing at all. You know, I posted on social media the other day what it means to be a real Christian. And one of the things I said was being a real Christian means showing that you're saved, not being a hypocrite. And this guy, he messaged me and he said, you know, what he said, you know, being a real, that's not being a real Christian. Being a real Christian means um, just being a child of God and it's whatever you make it to be in your Christian walk. And um, I said, well, you know what? I didn't say, well, you know, you're right. I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> Praise the Lord, brother. I'm sorry. I stepped on your toes. No. Um, I said, I, I got in the Bible, and he said, show me. And I showed him every single verse for every single thing I said. I showed him in the Bible. And then the next response was something that scared me, honestly. He said, well, that's your perspective. Because I know a Christian, Christians, who 
proclaim to be a Christian, but they don't, they don't read the Bible. They say, I don't believe in believing in reading the Bible. You know what? I'm a Christian. I got God. He's going to tell me everything I need to know. But honestly, you can't know God unless you read the Bible. I've learned so much from reading the Word of God. These are the only things that will bring you eternal life. Nothing else. In that part, when, when Jesus was with his disciples and, and he turned around to Peter and he said, are you going to leave me too? Because these other people have left me. I'm going to ask you this now. Are you going to leave them too? Because Peter's response was something amazing. He said, where should we go? Your words have eternal life. Honestly, I don't know where I'm going to go if I don't have him. I don't know what to do. I do not want to take a single step if he's not there with me. He means everything to me. My heart wants his heart. I want the mind of Christ. I want to walk like Jesus, and I'm not afraid to show it. School's coming back for me tomorrow. I've got two classes that's in class at AB Tech, and I'm hoping the teacher says, introduce yourself and tell us what you're here for, because I'm going to say, my name's Rocky. I'm a preacher of the gospel. I'm here to see Jesus and see people come to the Lord, and I'm not going to step down from it. What are you going to do if God's saying you're, you're at your job, wherever you're working, or if you're in school, and he says, right now I want you to worship me. What are you going to do in that moment? Are you going to be scared? Are you going to let the fear of man overtake? Because the fear of man is a sin. Or are you going to have the fear of God and step out in obedience? What are you going to do when that happens? I promise you that every single person in here, Jesus is coming after you if he hasn't already gotten you. You know, the fire of God, the fear of God, they're real things. It's really, really real. And if the fire of God has not hit you yet, it's going to come. Every single person in this room. I'm promising you that because he's looking at all of you and he's wanting a relationship with all of you. I'm going to tell a story that I don't like telling because a lot of people, they won't believe me, but don't care. So, and this will be something I'll be closing with. So, when every now and then we would have late night worships um, at you know, in the classroom, we would go to late at night. And this one night in particular was the most powerful experience of my entire life. And what happened was I was I was feeling terrible that night. I had congestion, my throat was hurting, did not feel like worshiping. But for some reason, I felt that God was drawing me to the room. They were already worshiping and everything. But I heard this guy, one of the students, his name is Daryl, he was screaming on the ground, rolling around. And I was like, what's going on? This sounds good. I want to be a part of it. And so I went inside, and within the course of five minutes, I mean, the presence in there was strong. I got hit with the Holy Spirit, and I was into what was happening. And then all of a sudden, um, the guy who was rolling around the floor screaming, he came to, and he said, he said, um, Two things. One of them was something that I've been praying for since I've gotten there. He came back from heaven. He was in heaven for a short amount of time. And he said that 
Jesus was saying that for everyone here right now, he's giving everyone a fire that will never go out. And that's something I've been praying for. I've been on fire for over a year, but I never want to go out. Not one single bit. I want to move from glory to glory. And that's something that's really important to me. And as soon as he said that, it's like God's power hit me so powerfully. I felt his presence so strongly. And I got a, a clear vision of like an eagle on fire. It turned into an angel on fire and started touching people. And as soon as I said that, I just, I started screaming. I hit the floor and I, and it's not, it's not a lie. This is true. hundred percent. So when I hit the floor and I was down, I saw Jesus face to face. I saw his eyes. He has eyes of fire. And they were so bright that his face was just blurry. But I was there, me and him. And we didn't even speak in words, but I could I could tell everything he was saying. And when he looked at me, I could see what he was saying. He saw every single mistake I made in my life, every single sin that I've ever committed. He saw it all. But in the same instance, I saw the compassion and the love that he has for me. Even though I had all that dirt, even though I did all that stuff, it was amazing. His love for me is something I never felt before in my life. It was powerful. And he feels the same way about each and every one of you. He's real. He's so real. And nothing's going to tell me different. And if you don't, if you can't seek him and be willing to go after him, then why even show up to church? This is real, guys. He wants you so much. He desires a relationship with you. And all he wants to do is for you to know that love he has for you. Because I promise you, you don't love him more than he loves you. I promise. I've never felt love like that before. And I know I can't give love on that level. But I can try my best. So I want to just thank you guys so much um, for giving me this time. And... I just want to say, just live a life as a true disciple. Follow him. Being a disciple doesn't mean doing a bunch of miracles and healings. It means following after God's own heart and doing his will. You know, Jesus said that there's going to be people on the, on the day that his true disciples that will say, um, he said, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do the will of my Father. And on Judgment Day, people will say, we prophesied, cast out demons, perform many miracles. But Jesus is going to say, I never knew the way you who break God's laws. He's not looking for the biggest miracle working person in the world. He's looking for someone who wants an intimate, deep relationship with him. That's what matters more than anything else. And if you don't have a relationship with him, if you don't know him personally, you don't go after his heart, then you're in trouble. You are in trouble. So guys, thank you so much um, just for listening to me. I could sit up here for hours and hours, but I'm going to save you the time. And um, yeah, I just bless you guys. And if, um, you know, do you have anything planned? Do you want 
prayer for anyone. Okay, yeah. Um, so it, I just always want to invite um, anyone who just feels um, conviction in their heart to live more for Jesus. Um, I just really feel if uh, the prayer team can come up and then really quickly we can just pray for those who really feel conviction to live like Jesus calls us to live, to live in the fear of the Lord and to have a heart for him. And so if, if this is you, if you really want to live for Jesus, if you don't know him and you want to feel that love that he has for you, if you want to be changed and be different in a way that he wants, then I just invite you to come up, come up to the prayer team and receive prayer. And I'm just going to, um, as that's happening, I'm going to end in prayer really quick. And um, yeah, I invite you guys to do whatever you feel like to do. So Jesus, I just thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, that you love every single person in here much more than anyone else ever could. I pray, Lord, that they can know your love, Jesus. They can know your compassion for them and that they can know that no matter, it doesn't matter what they do, you will still love them exactly the same and your love is firm. It's on a solid foundation and it's not going anywhere. I thank you, Lord, that you desire relationship, you desire intimacy, and you just want people to be with you. So I pray, God, for more boldness to come from everyone in this room. I pray, Lord, that everyone can know your obedience, they can have consistency with you, they can be your true disciple, and that they will not have fear of man, but fear of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.